Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 25. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's approach God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as in the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Good morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. The title of today's sermon is A New Way of Living. In the new covenant in Christ, God's promises include forgiveness of sins, a personal relationship with God, and God writing his laws in the believer's hearts and minds. The new covenant fulfilled the old covenant. Therefore, the new replaced the old. In the old, the people could not obey the law. But in the new, God writes his laws on the hearts and minds of his people. Thus, his people would want to obey because it is in their hearts and minds to obey. In the old, they could not because it was external. In the new, it is internal. The desire to follow God's commands is God's work in every believer. Let me say that again. The desire to follow God's commands is God's work in every believer. And that is one real sign that the individual knows that he is saved or she is saved, not because they said a sinner's prayer, not because they invited Jesus into their hearts, not because they responded to an altar call, but genuine faith that comes from God begins with God writing his laws, his commands in our minds and hearts so that we want to obey, 
we are not forced to obey. It is not a burdensome, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. If that is your Christianity, I feel sorry for you. Because that is not Christianity. We are not burdened by these. Although there is sin and not sin. But because God put it in the heart of a true believer to pursue righteousness because of the righteousness of Christ within, we do not seek sin although none of us can say we are perfect and we are sinless. But in our hearts, we pursue the righteousness of God in Christ and sin might be pursuing us. But the non-believer pursues sin and has no mind or heart for the righteousness of God. There is no desire. The desire is the self. Self-preservation. Self-pleasure. The needs of the self. It's about me. My family. My loved ones. It's my need. Rather than the desire to please God. Big difference. God writes his laws in the minds and hearts of his people. If you truly belong to the Lord, you know that has happened. You know there was a turning point somewhere in your life. Some of us can pinpoint when the exact date, even time. Some of us cannot pinpoint because it was a season. Maybe in this year, there was a turning point that I had a desire. My heart was changed. That was promised by God through the prophet Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart. So that the old heart, you know that that heart was you, but no longer you. And there was the new heart given by God. This is a promise in the new covenant. And I would like to emphasize that this is not the work of humans. It is not our work to turn ourselves into moral beings. Christianity is not the pursuit of morality. Morality is the fruit of what God did within us. Yun ang bunga. It's not working so hard to be moral, to be good, so heaven accepts us. Rather, it is God himself writing his laws in our minds and hearts. It is a supernatural work of God. Because no man can really explain this. 
It is not through therapy and conditioning that I was changed, that you were changed. There was something within you that changed. And all you can know, it happened sometime, but I don't remember when, but some of us do. I remember mine, January 19, 1986. Something right there warmed in me. Boom. The desires after that had changed. When I opened the New Testament, I could not stop because I saw the beauty of every line. Or rather, let me correct myself, God showed me rather than I saw it. I did see it, but he made me see it. But before that, in school, we have been reading and studying the Bible. But there was no deep connection that you know that it's the Holy Spirit's work within. And this, my friends, is how God works. What is His work? He puts his commands in our minds and hearts. That's why we cannot change anyone. Only God can. Well, you can try to alter the behavior of some people. You can train people to be respectful when they are kids. But the desire for sin being changed to the desire for righteousness is only the work of God. It doesn't mean you are perfect, but now you want to be perfect. You want to be sinless. But if ever we do sin, the death of Christ, His sacrifice, is powerful enough to forgive us again of our sins. For such is the promise not only a new heart and mind or the laws written in our minds and hearts, but also forgiveness. Forgiveness of Christ whose sacrifice is potent forever. It was Christ, the perfect high priest, Unblemished offering, meaning no sin. He sacrificed himself. One having no sin, that's why his sacrifice was worthy and acceptable to the just and holy God. Therefore, now, the holy God and merciful God, his mercy and his justice can now be United in one. What does that mean? In Christ, Christ received the justice meant for us. And we can also receive God's mercy in Christ. This is a profound, profound thing in the sense that God could not deny his justice. But not, God could not deny his mercy. 
So he found a way, a legal way, a divine legal way to bring us mercy, yet satisfy his justice. Only in Christ. Nothing outside Christ. Let it be known that God is sovereign in salvation. Yet man is fully responsible for his sin. Let me say that again. God is sovereign in salvation. Yet man is fully responsible for his sin. The new covenant in Christ leads to a new way of living. God sanctifies the believer. What is sanctification? You would see these, this word in the Bible. What does that mean? Sanctification is to make holy or to be set apart for God's purpose. Don't think holiness or sanctification is simply purity, being sinless. No, it is first and foremost to be separated for a divine purpose. So, Scripture is saying that Christ died for our sanctification. So, Christ died for what? So we may be made holy. What does that mean? So we may be set apart for his purpose. That's why my brothers and sisters. Some of us trouble ourselves with our purpose in terms of career or business or whatever. And there is nothing wrong with seeking God about these things, but we must be reminded but that first and foremost, our lives were separated for the purpose of God. Thus, for the genuine believer, it is no longer the pursuit of self-centered desires. But it becomes the pursuit of God's purpose in his life or her life. First, as revealed in scripture, what does the Bible say? That I should be according to his grace, according to his word. First, it's about that before the other things of our lives, and that includes who you will marry. Even before that, it is about what is God's will for me as revealed in the Bible. First, it's about that. That is the meaning of being set apart and sanctified and separated for his purpose. That is holiness. The believer pursues God's purpose according to scripture. And you know what? Only Christ can make that possible. That he puts in our hearts the desire for the purpose of God in heaven. We pray, let your will be done in our lives. In my life, not my will, but yours be done. 
so that in every step of the way, in every step of our lives, we come in prayer humbly to the loving Father, saying to Him, not my will, but yours be done. What should I do in this situation? What does the Bible say in this situation? How should I relate to family, friends, classmates, office mates? How should I relate to them? What did scripture say? For sure, scripture said, proclaim repentance. And proclaiming, proclaim the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For sure. For sure, scripture says, we tell them, we tell the world the good news. And then to make disciples Followers of Christ. That is for sure revealed in God's word for everybody. This is not for the gifted few. This is for everyone. For sure the scripture says that we, we, we should forgive one another. That is for sure. It is no longer about, no longer about I can't do it. It hurts so much. I can't forgive it's no longer about you. It's now about Him. It's no longer about us. Because for Him, when He died on the cross, He was not thinking of His own comfort. He was thinking of the people that He will gather. He was thinking of you and me. He was thinking of all those who will believe, all those who will repent. He was willing to take that sacrifice, the ultimate example of a selfless act, God becoming flesh so that he can represent frail human being and not sin yet identify with them in the temptation to become the worthy sacrifice of God. So that we may be justified. Christ made it possible if we desire his will. That is him, not us. Without the work of Christ, no one seeks God. You'll see that in the book of Romans. No one is righteous and no one seeks God. But with Christ... The believer has the confidence to live this new way of living. We can do it by His grace. Because it is His grace at work in our lives. Number one, the believer's confidence. The author once again stated the confidence of a believer. Through Christ, the believer is sanctified, made holy. He gave the believer, a new way of living because Christ entered the most holy place as a sacrifice. Let's read verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ, we now have confidence to enter the heavenly tabernacle through faith, through worship, through prayer, through communion with God. How is that made possible? Since in the old there were a few chosen people 
One of a kind was David. One of a kind was Moses. One of a kind was Aaron. One of a kind was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One of a kind was Solomon. One of a kind was Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. But in the new covenant, we have what they have. And that is what? A personal relationship with him. Because by the blood of Jesus, we can enter in. The blood of Jesus opened the way for the believer to enter the holy place. Without the sacrifice of Christ, no one could enter. There would be no relationship with the Father. Nada. Nada. Remember Romans 5. We were enemies of God. Enemies. Stop lying to the world. Telling them that they are not enemies of God. The world. Everyone who does not repent of their sin and follow Christ and trust in Christ are enemies. But through Christ, there was peace. But through him, we could enter. Without the blood of Jesus, there would be no new covenant, no new promises such as forgiveness, a personal relationship with God, And we will not have the grace to obey. We will not be empowered to obey. Verse 20. By a new and living way which he inaugurated for us. Through the veil. Meaning entering the holy of holies. There was a curtain. That is through his flesh. The sacrifice of himself. That was his death on the cross. Through the suffering and death of Christ, he entered the heavenly tabernacles, holy of holies, and started a new way of living for all who genuinely believe. Take note, if you truly believe something new has happened. No, it is not the change of religion. It is not the change of where you just go to attendance. Something within changes. It's a new way of living. If Christ did not sacrifice himself, there is no sanctification and there is no new way of living. We go back to the old again and again and again. We follow the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world again and again. And we are influenced by the world. It's okay to have sex outside of marriage. It's normal. It's natural. That's what the world will say. Oh, for God, uh, there are many ways to God. Christ is only one way. I don't agree because he is the only way according to him. Either that or you're telling, saying that he's a liar. It's that simple. Through his sacrifice, there is sanctification. Number two, approaching God with Christ as the great high priest. Believers can approach God with sincere hearts. Sincere hearts. Assured in faith. 
God cleared the conscience and cleansed the flesh, which is mind and body that behaves in a pure way. So, so what happens in the new covenant? Well, the author is encouraging that with Christ's high priest, hey believers, you, talking to the Jewish believers then, we can approach God with sincere hearts. Not insincere. You know what's insincere? They only approach God when they need something. Oh, they're very close to God when they're in a personal crisis. Oh Lord, why did this happen to me? Oh Lord, I need you, I need you. I'm in pain, I'm in pain. Oh, I have no more money. Lord, I need you. Insincere. But when they have everything okay, Christ is not first. Prayer is forgotten. The study of scripture is not in the regular thing. Only when there's a crisis, they come to God. Insincere. They see Christianity as something to bless them materially. They like the positive sermons, but they don't like the sermons that cut like a sword. They only choose to obey some parts of the Bible, but they reject other parts of the Bible because they want to continue in their sin. Insincere, fake believers. Fake. What did Christ do? Through Christ, the commands of, Christ, of God is in our hearts and minds. And what else? His sacrifice cleared our conscience. Wow. Wow. That feeling of guilt, he removes by his grace. That nagging feeling of what I did. Somehow, his forgiveness floods your heart and mind. Somehow, the conscience was cleared. I am forgiven. And he cleansed the flesh. What is that? Suddenly, our minds and bodies want to behave in a pure way. Let's read verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. And the house of God is his church, his community. A people called out. Christ is the high priest forever. He is unlike any earthly high priest who sinned. Christ was sinless. And he did not need a sacrifice for himself like the earthly priests In those days and in the days of Moses. Verse 22, let's approach God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The genuine believer can approach God in the holy place and one must do so with a sincere heart. Coming to God, you're all alone, you close the room. You come with a sincere faith. You sit down or you kneel down, but then you bow. With a heart wanting 
to humble the self because you know you're in the presence of the holy. You're in the presence of the sovereign. You're in the presence of the creator. One who fills the universe. You bow down. But even though he is awesome and mighty, but you have confidence in Christ to come because by the blood of Jesus, you can still be forgiven. The confidence, knowing that his love expressed through Christ is real and true. Assured in faith of what Christ did, but sincere in heart. The author mentioned the word faith, which he will explain in chapter 11 with examples from Jewish History and it will be an amazing discussion when we reach chapter 11. The author referred to the sprinkling of the blood as we have just read because in the old way, the high priest would sprinkle some blood on the mercy seat. The blood of an innocent animal, a replacement of their sin to remind them that they are sinners. And the high priest sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat, on the throne. That's the old way. But in Christ, it was not about the ceremonial cleansing. We are sprinkled by his blood, by faith in him. As we have faith, genuine faith. And what is that? We trust him with everything. We believe in him for everything. You believe in him more than you believe yourself. You believe in him ultimately above all the things of the world. So don't just say, oh, I believe too. But I have my own way. <laughs> you don't believe. Because the one that says he believes must believe completely. Not partially. You ever heard of partial mercy? Okay, I'll have mercy on your right side, but on your left side... I'll destroy it. <laughs> that doesn't work. You need complete mercy to spare you. Okay, I'll have mercy. I'll just cut off your arm. That's not mercy. You want you believe in partial commitment? Oh my. Unacceptable to the sovereign. Jesus said it himself. Unless you love, if you love father or mother, son or daughter, or anyone more than me, you are not worthy of me. In another text, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot follow me. The author referred to the washing of pure water. Ah. You know what? The blood of Jesus cleanses our evil conscience and the washing of pure water. And he could be referring to the pre-ceremonial cleansing in the brazen laver before entering the tabernacle in the old way. The brazen laver, if you remember, is where the priests would wash their hands and feet. And if they do not wash, they will die when they enter. So we are washed so that in the presence, in the throne, we can enter without dying. Because through Christ, we are washed 
with the water. But we do not need a literal brazen laver. As you have read in Exodus, the genuine follower through faith for us, we experience the cleansing of our bodies and leads to a pure behavior. I'm not saying you will be perfectly sinless, but the desire for sin fades away and it is gone. And then the desire for God is there. But if ever we do sin, His mercy is there. His forgiveness shall be there. But do not be the, like the fake Christian who says, Oh, it's okay to sin. Anyway, God will forgive us. That could be a sign that you're not true. You're not real. But if you have no desire to sin, if ever you do sin, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for His mercy. I can come again and say, Forgive me, Lord. And He receives me. And He receives you. Why? Because your heart has been washed by the blood of Jesus, sprinkled by the blood. And the Father has written His laws in your mind and heart. You receive His forgiveness and He forgets all your wrongdoing. And more than that, moreover, you now have a relationship with the Father. Scripture says that we are adopted in Christ. His Father is now our Father. So we can come. And like a good father, if his children come humbly and they seek forgiveness, a good father forgives every time. Every time. And he is a father who forgets. It means he's not a father who will hold a grudge. He is a father who will forget our sins if we come sincerely. And I say to that, praise the Lord. Why? I am such a sinner. I pursue righteousness as Christ has put it in my heart. But I know every now and then I come to him and say, Lord, I think I have thought the wrong thoughts. I have said the wrong words. I have acted and behaved improperly. And I ask thee, O oh Lord, forgive me. Of my sin. Praise God. Then the author said. Having said this. He said. Now hold on firmly. Remember the purpose of the letter. Was to prevent them from falling away. From Christ. And not going back to Judaism. To prevent them from apostasy. From denying Christ publicly. Therefore, hold on firmly, no matter what persecution was beginning to rise against the believers in the A.D. 60s. And in the A.D. 70, the Jewish people will try to, to form a revolt against Rome and they will fail. And the temple will fall as Christ prophesied and he said, this temple will fall, will be destroyed. And it will happen in AD 70. This is somewhere in the mid AD 60s. Hold on firmly to Christ. To what you believe in. 
For the old way will pass away. And it is true, the temple was destroyed. And right now, the Jewish people do not have those ceremonies. Now, to be a Jew is to, be, to believe in the Torah and to eat the proper food. But there is no ceremony. It passed away. And the author said, believe firmly and strengthen one another. Believe and then encourage one another. Some of them might be feeling they're falling away. Connect with one another. Encourage one another. Strengthen them to hold on firmly no matter what. The author admonished the believers to hold the promises of God firmly. Because we can trust his promises. His promises he will fulfill. And they should continue to meet each other. Encourage one another. Verse 23. Let's read read chapter 10 verse 23 of Hebrews. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope. Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And I celebrate that. My God is faithful. Humans may fail. But God remains faithful. If he promised forgiveness. He has given us forgiveness. He said he will forget what we have done. He forgets what we have done. If he says I will write my laws in your minds and hearts. He does so by God's Grace, by his grace, he does so in Christ. When in Christ, he promised that he will be personally known by his people, each individual. He does that. So what, brothers? Let us hold on firmly because God is faithful. Some people just treat God's faithfulness on My God shall supply all my needs. He is faithful. Oh, brothers, can you not be as shallow as that anymore? Why don't we go to his laws in our hearts and minds? His forgiveness there. That relationship is solid in Christ. Can't we just see that? And stop bickering around with these little things. So you lost your job? And that's the end of the world for you? Or that's the moment you say, no, I trust in him because he is faithful. If I have to suffer temporarily, I will do so, but I will see his faithfulness in my life. Because God's promises is not about human comfort or earthly comfort. It's about something more. It's about the soul which will outlive your bodies on earth. It is about the soul that must be preserved, that must not be put in eternal fire. It's about the soul. But too earthly on our minds, we cannot see with our spiritual eyes. Let's hold on firmly because he is faithful with those promises. If you suffer for a while, Remain faithful in Christ because he is faithful. If you are in abundance, remain faithful. Do not let your money deceive you. Do not let money come into your hearts that you would do sin because of your money. 
Let us remain faithful because he is faithful. The main reason to believe firmly and without wavering is the faithfulness of God. He will keep everything he promised in Christ. And God is not limited in his power. Because he is not like man that, that he should lie. God does not lie about these promises. Thus everyone can trust him. Verse 24. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. The author instructed the Jewish believers to encourage one another about love and good deeds. Take note. Take note. Now the author is giving them something practical to do. Okay. This is what you do. Do good deeds and love one another. Praise God. But remember this. The author first gave a lengthy discussion, a long discussion about who Christ is, his priesthood, his sacrifice, the heavenly tabernacle, that he's better than the prophets. He's actually the fulfillment of, the, of what the prophets said. Oh, he's also a sovereign, sits, sits at the right hand of God, uh, better than Aaron. According to the order of Melchizedek, a long discussion, which means... Theology is important. Understanding these things first. Then he says to them, okay, love one another, okay? Do good. It's not first do good and love one another, and we don't even know who Christ is. Uh, who's Christ? All we know, oh, yeah, yeah, some figure who died on the cross. We don't know that he's the high priest in heaven who entered heaven, who offered himself once and for all time. And his blood was so potent that for eternity he can forgive. Who is Christ? First, let's know him. So even in our small groups, in preaching here, at least in our church community, we preach about doctrine. We preach about who God is, who Christ is. And then we put in the practical application. Let's love one another. So don't say, what's that? Too much discussion on these doctrines. Oh, remember what Paul told to Timothy. His last letter before he died. Watch your doctrine and your life. Not just watch your life. Watch your doctrine, what you believe in. Watch it carefully, because those who do not believe accurately are not those who belong to Christ. So we watch it carefully. That's why we study this line by line. <laughs> we go through a book line by line, thought per thought, precept per precept, trying to explain what it is. We must understand Love and good deeds, yes. But please remember what we commonly believe of who Christ is. First, we have to understand the promises in the new covenant. And that he puts his laws in our minds and hearts. Let's understand that first together. Before we understand or before we are pushed to apply love and good deeds. Oh, please continue doing, expressing love and good deeds. I'm saying is... Believing who Christ is, is most important because the love and good deeds is the fruit of that. 
It's not love and good deeds and maybe you'll know a little about Christ on the side. A cousin of mine sent me a video about this, this popular singer in my day. He was invited to sing in a seminary and he said, I don't know why we have to complicate things. Shouldn't we just love one another? So I said to my cousin, nice voice, a great guitar player, but he misunderstood the gospel. Because the gospel is not about loving one another. That is the fruit of it. That is not the root. The root is we are in sin. A sacrifice had to be made that is worthy. What is it about? It's about the wrath of God being satisfied by his son for our sake. That is the gospel. Think it's just love it, be do. Now, my friends, I encourage you to love one another, but I encourage you first, understand who you believe in. It is not a small thing. It is a big issue whether you know the God you serve or you don't. It is a big issue whether you know Christ or you know little of Christ and you know Christ as revealed in Scripture. That is a big issue. The author did not begin with, hey, encourage one another in love and good deeds. The author made the Jewish believers understand why they should hold on firmly. Why? They should hold on firmly to the confession before good deeds, which would result from genuine faith. Good deeds must result from genuine faith. One must understand one's confession and hold on to it firmly. Our confession... Christ is God. He was one with God, but he became flesh. One with God, one God, three persons. One being, three persons. Hard to understand because humans are one being and one in person. God is one being, three in persons. All co-equal, then one said, I will go down and be the sacrifice. And for the first time, for the first time, the title Son of God was made. Because he became that. He had to sacrifice himself. He had to identify with the sinners, the humans, to represent us as the high priest. He must become the sacrifice, the replacement. He should have no sin. And that is what he did. Verse 25. Not abandoning our own meeting together as the habit of some people, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The believers should continue meeting together. And encouraging one another. Especially that day is, is nearing. The day referred to. No, the day referred to. The day. The day referred to. Uh, what's this day? It could possibly any be any of the three. The day might come that they would die. Because there was persecution was rising. Encourage one another for the day is nearing that they might die. And some of them did die. Or the day is nearing when God's judgment will come. So let us encourage one another. Because the day is coming. 
In the Old Testament, when they say the day of the Lord, it is usually judgment, the judgment of God, the day of judgment. Or it could be Jerusalem's destruction as Christ prophesied, as recorded in the canonical Gospels. Let's go to the application. Let me encourage you to live the new way of living. Let us live the life that Christ wants us to live. Through Christ, we may live lives that are set apart for Him only. Without Christ's finished work, it would be impossible, impossible to live holy lives. But with Christ, it is possible. Brothers and sisters, we are no longer our own. The sooner we understand that, the more we are free to live this new life in Christ. Our life belongs to Him. Paul the Apostle said the same thing. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. So we can let the Christ life come alive every day of our lives. We must have faith and we must have sincerity. Let us approach God in faith and in sincerity. His forgiveness cleared our conscience and purified our bodily desires. The Lord transforms us so that we live according to his word. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Therefore, we must approach God with faith and with sincerity. And lastly, hold on and keep meeting together. Hold on and encourage one another. Let us hold on firmly to his promises and let us continue to trust him. Let us not forsake meeting each other and let us encourage one another to stay strong in the faith. And the author will also begin to tell of a story of the city of God. Something that the Old Testament heroes believed in. And the New Testament people should believe in. There is a hope beyond this world. And that is what we look at. We live our lives here relevant to this world. But in Christ. Living the Christ life in this world. But not of this world. Yet we have faith looking forward. Therefore let us encourage one another. Let us keep believing in the promises of God. Let's encourage one another to believe. Hey. Don't stop meeting, okay? What's the meeting? Well, for Sunday, you come here, praise God. But then we encourage you in the small groups. If there's one person that you can meet with, who can talk about the Bible with you, pray with you, be faithful there. Be faithful. I mean, stop being critical of others. I mean, you criticize yourself first. You'll see more problems there. Don't focus on others. But if there's somebody else you can meet with to pray with you and then to study God's word with you, begin there. But please, when you study, make sure it's expositional scripture. You study it line by line, context by context. Not just getting Bible verses from everywhere and then creating a sermon. Voila! Magic. The use of a concordance. I have a powerful sermon. No. What you have is something that might be out of context if you did not study the background and meaning of each verse you took. Keep believing, meeting one another, and encourage.
meet in the small group. It is God's design for us to meet regularly. You see, the scripture said, the author said, encourage one another. How will you encourage one another if you don't even meet together? Uh, either online or face-to-face. Let's continue the fellowship. Let's continue the coffee time. Let's continue the sharing of meal. Oh, oh my, it's COVID. So let's minimize the exposure. So let's eat together with social distancing. Can you please pass uh, uh, the rice here? So there's a way, there's a way we can do it. And uh, at least online, if, if you really can't move because there's, a, there's somebody with physical complications, health complications in your home, at least invest in a good connection. Trust that the Lord will provide. And then make sure you're able to pray with others uh, online at least and once in a while meet. And you know, the, the good thing about here in the provinces, there are still many barangays with almost zero COVID cases. We have to meet and hear the prayer requests of each one. So we know what you're going through and you know what we're going through. And we share blessings. It seems like nothing's happening if you meet and that's what you do. Please, trust the Lord. There's more happening when there's somebody praying for you and not just yourself. There is more happening. Oh, I believe in God's word that it is important. Therefore, I invest time to it. We must invest time to it. If you forsake meeting together, then you are disobedient to the warning of scripture. We are being warned to continue this. If you isolate yourself, you'll become weaker spiritually until you give in. Until you are more comfortable with friends who compromise. Now you have these Christian friends who do extramarital sex. They're not real believers. Who'd rather go do the sin and then call themselves Christians? And those are what the New Testament warns us about, false brethren. They may be among us, but they're not really one of us. That is in Scripture. So, but if you connect with God-fearing people, then what? You learn to study Scripture, believe in Scripture. Let us respect the importance of the gathering. The scripture tells us to do so. Acts chapter 2, that was their system. To gather together, to study God's word, to fellowship and to pray. Because when we do so, it helps us to prepare for the day. What day? The day of our death, which we don't know when. Maybe because of COVID, could be any time. Right? Oh, the beautiful thing about COVID, it made us realize our mortality. That one may die in an instant or for a few weeks be infected and die in weeks. It became real to us. Then people began thinking of their soul, their soul, their soul. What does it profit if you gain the whole world being busy with your career, being busy with your enjoyment and pleasure? What does it profit if you lose your soul? It means nothing. But when your soul is saved in Christ, 
in this life or the next life, you are prepared for the day. I'd like to share to you a piece of poetry once again, inspired by the text, Hebrews 10, 19-25, bonded in the new way, or in a new way. In Christ Jesus, live the new life. It was paid by His sacrifice. His blood, His people sanctified. God's divine justice satisfied. We may approach God's holy throne from our knees, but never alone. Christ is with us to intercede. Therefore, we may always proceed. Let's have faith that's unshakable, sincere and undeniable. For God's promises He will keep. His plan in Christ has no defeat. Encourage one another still. The day of judgment draws near. Speak love and truth to your brothers and never neglect your sisters. Together let us live in Him, prayer and worship to the brim. So bonded in doctrine and life, the Holy Scriptures as our guide. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for your word. We hold firmly to the confession of our faith. Everything that the author of Hebrews has stated, everything that the New Testament has stated, everything that the Old Testament, the ceremonies shadowed, and all the prophecies that came true in Christ. We hold firm our confession till the day we die. Through suffering or abundance, we will hold on to our belief, to our faith in you. And it is only by grace that you allow us to hold firmly to. Lord, bless your people through the suffering and trials. Teach us to remain faithful. Through the abundance and blessings, teach us to be faithful. In everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we think, may we say to God, be the glory. May every last breath, every last moment, until we are gone, may we say, thy will be done, and to you be the glory. Not to us, Lord, not to us, not to our community, but to thy name give glory. Allow us to fade, allow us to fade in the background, and may you be in the foreground. Christ himself, the Savior of our soul, our Lord, the sovereign God of all, praise you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of the Father and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Good morning.